0: You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with Pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Alter Echo, our scripture and message podcast from St. John's Lutheran Church here in Lakeville, Minnesota. It's good to be together. I hope you had a good celebration of the Fourth of July holiday this past week, and now you are launching into midsummer. We're already at the middle point of summer almost, and um, we hope that you're finding times for renewal and Sabbath. That's what Sabbath means. It means to take time away and be renewed, to be filled back up again, to have your energy restored, to have a You know, a sense of your vision of things being restored Um, after having our noses to the grindstone in so many different ways around so many different things in this life right now. It seems that there's so much coming at us and we're involved in so many things, so many of us anyway that uh, to have some Sabbath, to pull back to be silent for a while to talk about different things with each other to think differently and challenge yourself to think that way. These are the important things that we can do during summertime like this. If you listen to the Alter Echo text study podcast, you notice that we didn't have a an episode this week. Pastor Kim is on vacation, and so it's awfully hard to have a conversation with just me, myself, and I. <laughs> so we, we take the week off and one of us is gone. We'll be back at it again next week, and uh, look forward to letting you hear it and be part of it too you maybe heard a little noise in the background there, we just let uh, the real life, you know, around us uh, go on. And uh, suddenly, while I was talking just a few seconds ago, my coffee maker decided to just turn on all by itself today and start kicking out some water and making coffee with no cup under it. So there you go. All right, everybody, we are going to get at it. Today, we're in chapter 45 of Brian McLaren's book. The chapter is called spirit of unity and diversity. You're going to hear a lot about that today. There are some uh, scripture passages cited primarily and most noteworthy, Ephesians chapter 4 and John chapter 17. I'm going to read for us today parts of Ephesians chapter 4. This is what we'll center our thoughts around um, today, but know that John 17, which is Jesus' high priestly prayer, when he's getting his disciples prepared for him to leave, in other words, to be crucified and to rise and to ascend, uh, he's getting them prepared to leave, and he asks God in the interrelatedness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he asks God for the gift of protection and oneness for his disciples and for the whole church this extends to everybody that Jesus prays for us he prays for us to be one he prays for us to be united this should start to to uh, come as a flash to us think about all the times especially in the church when divisions have happened Jesus prays for the opposite of that for us Jesus prays for us to be one and that's a big part of our work. It has to be a big part of our work is people who are part of parts of congregations. You are part of your congregation no matter where that is, whether it's St. John's or another church. You're part of your congregation and your role partly in that place is to be a worker for unity, for oneness. So we're going to go there today. Let me read for you today Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 and 11 through 16. Here is our word for this day the apostle paul writes There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Dear friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I'm going to take a quick sip of this coffee that I did make before we started. Oh, that's so good. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. God, our creator and redeemer and sanctifier, draw us in now close to you and open our minds to your gospel of life and of liberation from all that limits us or holds us down as your disciples and of new callings to be more than we have been. In faith, we pray. Amen. Well, just one of the reasons I love having an outdoor worship service, which is what we do every single Sunday here at St. John's in the summertime is what happened last Sunday. Just thought I'd share this with you. Right in the middle of Pastor Kim's sermon, a little kid from the neighborhood came cruising in the far driveway of our of our parking lot on his bike, wove through all the cars <laughs> that were sitting there with people and them worshiping during parking lot worship, skidded up to the curb, put down his kickstand, and ran to play on the swing set at our playground, which is right next to the side of the church. And there he was, climbing and swinging away while we went on and finished our service. I loved it. Life goes on all around us in a myriad of ways. And we, as God's people and Jesus' disciples, who are fueled with faith's vision every day by the Holy Spirit, are meant to live our faith within the real life of this world. It's our greatest calling and our greatest blessing. Yet, we are really struggling with how to do this in our time. There is a side of Christianity, not the ELCA's side, though, to be clear, not our side, but fundamentalist Christianity. This is a, a different place on the spectrum of Christians out there. There's this side of fundamentalist Christianity that believes it must impose Christian faith's vision. Now, their narrow vision, however, on the whole country and on the working even of our government. You know this. This is not right, folks. I wanna be clear about this. America is not a theocracy. It's not a government run by God. We, ELCA, and other mainline Christians, as much as we understand Christ's calling to us to share our faith out there in the public square, in the world, in real life, and to hope people embrace the goodness of God for them, we do not understand that calling to mean that all of America must have the same exact faith as we have and be governed by it. America, instead, is a melting pot. It might sound cliche to you, but it is a place where people of all sorts of faith backgrounds or no faith at all can live peaceably and freely and with equality. We have to be clear about this. And this has to be our guide. People are leaving the church and even coming to hate God these days. I hear it and see it in print. And I hear people say it all over the place. They're coming to hate God in the church because they lump all of Christianity together as having become this narrow, this political, this demanding, this deluded in thinking our government is supposed to follow a theocratic vision of God and version of God as the leader. Then on uh, the other end of the spectrum, there are other people leaving the mainline Christian church, and mainline means Lutheran and Presbyterian and Methodist and Episcopal and a number of other denominations, because they don't want a sharing Jesus' gospel at all that critiques real life or that speaks to real life that critiques, for instance, the power-hungriness of people in our government, (laughs) or the power-plays of Christian nationalism that thinks that the Christian church and government should be one and the same, which is not Christianity at all, by the way. Christian nationalism is not. Or hard truths like racism or sexism or any other ism that oppresses people. There's a group of people that doesn't want us to speak to those things at all. Yet, the gospel indeed does have something to say about these. So we find ourselves in a truly unique conundrum of a time as the Christian church. But what is the gospel, huh? What is the heart and soul of God's good news to us and to the world? It is that resurrection to new life is more powerful than all things that are deadening. And the gospel is that Christ is a liberator to you and to me and to all people, even if they don't recognize Christ as that liberator. Christ still does the liberating work. The gospel is that all people should experience liberation from God and experience new life out of oppression in this life or out of sinfulness or out of guilt, liberation out of shame, liberation out of feeling unworthy, as Pastor Kim talked about so well last Sunday. If you see anyone, Christian or not, Forced by the church to be someone they are not, the gospel is not being proclaimed. If you hear part of the church say that Muslims are unworthy people or are, worse yet, even damned because they haven't become Christians, that is a wild distortion of the gospel of Christ If you hear part of the church or people be anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, or hurl racial slurs at anyone else, anyone, that is a wild distortion of the gospel of Christ, who loved all people regardless of their ethnic origin or religious beliefs and gave no group supremacy over others. If you see part of the church trying to pit groups of people against each other, that is a wild distortion of the gospel of Christ, who prayed for his people, not just those who followed him, but all, and especially all who did not hate God because of Christ's vision of inclusion and love and peace and nonviolence and hospitality and understanding. That part of the church has a distorted view of the gospel of liberation and new life, of unity within a beautiful diversity of people and of life. Today, everyone, we are gathering around that theme, the spirit of unity and diversity. Let me just say that like so many other things, living out unity while not just tolerating each other (laughs) but actually coming to celebrate our beautiful magnificent diversity is the hard work of faith that many do not want to do. But where people and the Christian church do this the truth of the gospel of Christ and the Holy Spirit moving us in God's way are felt and deeply experienced. People deep in their hearts know this is who God is in the rich interrelatedness of Father and Son and Holy Spirit, three broad dimensions of who God is for us and how we experience God. And they also know that this, this inclusive diversity is what God wants for us as the whole of humanity together a rich and vibrant interrelatedness, unity in diversity. People are energized and even brought out of the death of hopelessness and or despair when the deeper truth of so appreciating the the beauty of the diversity of peoples and perspectives helps our vision explode wide open to the magnificence of what God has created around and between and within us so we can live vibrantly and joyfully in relation to each other in all our diversity. Let me give you one example of the truth of diversity, God's calling to us of unity in it and celebrating it. In Brian McLaren's chapter this week, he talked about how some people underestimate the richness of God. They only look for God being flat or static. Those are his words. These are people who demand black and white, us and them, quick and easy. My mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. (laughs) They miss the dimensions of God and the rich, beautiful, colorful angles of life, which are much more complex than just this or that, A or B. It reminded me of going to the Orsay Museum in Paris several years ago with my daughter. We were so fortunate to do this. The Orsay sits across the river, the Seine, in the shadow of the Louvre, But the Orsay has a whole bunch of Van Gogh paintings that the Louvre doesn't. (laughs) We were looking at one of Van Gogh's self-portraits. And as we got extremely close to it, which we could do there, we realized that Van Gogh did anything but paint in flat, static, two-dimensional ways. He painted in 3D. He got it, see? The paints he used were thick, and they came way off the canvas. He would pull the paint off the canvas to create dimension. There are peaks and valleys in his paintings, and you had to look at each work from as many different angles as you could. When you do that, you see all kinds of different colors and combinations of color and shadow and light, You see eyes deep in valleys of pain and a glance darting out with uncertainty. From another angle, though, you you miss those deep eyes, but you see sunflower yellow as though he was reflecting a golden field full of life that he perhaps so yearned for or also experienced richly and the need to see from many other different angles in order to better understand the whole just goes on and on and on and on. It's a truism for us about life. This is the gift of Christ's gospel to us. It's the gift of Jesus looking at you and me and everybody else as rich, three-dimensional parts of the greater whole. It's as though we must look at ourselves but also everyone else so very humbly as the Apostle Paul says because we are limited, very, but we are also very necessary players in a much larger orchestra that needs us all to bring our limited part and to work together. We are singers in a much larger choir singing together. We are splotches of colorful paint and dimension in a work of art that needs every brushstroke, every different person. We are athletes on a team that cannot even be that team without all of the players. The gospel gift of God to us is that when we work together toward creating unity from the grand diversity that we are, the Holy Spirit is at work for sure, drawing us together in a sacred interrelatedness, just like the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. We are not meant to be flat or static or even just private. God certainly isn't. We are called to be more than we've been, folks. We are called to see diversity as the way God created this place and wants it. We are called to live in the great melting pot of humanity and to grow to love it and cherish it and God frees us from our old constraints and our limited thinking about this so that we can be more than we have been for the other for the neighbor for the stranger for the creation and child of God whether they feel that is what they are or not we know everyone is beautiful in God's sight Holy Spirit Work in us now, this guiding vision of God's good news for the world God so loves and for which God pours himself out with the deepest love. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it sjlcl.org. And up in the right hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.